You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. All right, guys. Welcome to today's show. And on the show with me today is Jacob Coons. Now, Jacob has been on the Nomadic Outdoorsman podcast before, but he has a mind for data and gathering it and organizing it. And this is going to be an amazing episode for anybody who, like me, might have a hard time putting off planning, putting off all the details, not really feeling organized or prepared to go out on a Western hunt. He, he talks about planning early, starting now, I mean, six months out from, from the beginning of a lot of archery seasons out west. And so this is an episode filled with information, filled with tips and, and ideas for being better prepared to hunt out west, whether it's just you or you and a couple of friends. So we're going to jump right into this one. I hope you've got a notepad ready because there is a ton to take away. You're listening to The Western Rookie, a hunting podcast full of tips, tricks, and strategies from seasoned Western hunters. There are plenty of opportunities out there. We just need to learn how to take on the challenges. Hunting is completely different up there. I've harvested 26 big game animals. You can fool their eyes, but you can't fool their nose. The 300 yards back to the road turned into three miles back the other way. It's always cool seeing new hunters go and harvest an animal. I don't know what to expect. If there's anybody I want in the woods with me, it'll be you. All right, guys, welcome to today's episode of The Western Rookie. And on the show with me today, I've got Jacob Coons. Now, Jacob, you've been a guest on the Nomadic Outdoorsman podcast. It was kind of funny because as soon as we got done talking about Eastern elk hunting on that, I was like, man, I need to make like an Eastern rookie podcast and uh, <laughs> help people understand. You opened my eyes to so many things about the East and how, I guess, like the draw odds, the the price point, uh, the caliber of bull, the age structure, the pressure that they feel like there's so many benefits to trying to hunt the East and Today, as we go into this conversation, I think it'd be great to cover to to cover it from the point of someone who's just hunting a new state or a new area, and we can talk about Eastern, Western, and what that looks like for people. But thanks for being on this show now. I appreciate you having me, Dan. And and yeah, I mean, I, I, after we had that discussion about Eastern states, I hope folks didn't get the idea that it's that it's easy to get drawn for an Eastern state because the odds are, you know, not easy, but, um, but it is worth it because it is relatively inexpensive to put in. And if you get drawn, it's, it's such a, as we discussed on the podcast, the previous podcast, it, you're usually not driving 25 hours and there's less logistical night stuff that you have to deal with 
But when you go to a Western state, the logistics are much different. And if you're on a mountain and you're, something happens to your bow, you're, you're kind of screwed. Uh, so, but if you, you know, if you get drawn for an Eastern state, you have a lot more options. So, uh, but hopefully those that um, are listening to this, take, take a moment to listen to that podcast as well. Yeah, it was good. And I definitely didn't, I, I guess I was surprised by the benefits to hunting out East, especially from someone coming from the East or, or the Midwest. Um, because you know, the Eastern States, you can get to multiple States in a matter of a couple hours, whereas out West, you might drive for eight hours just to get from the east side to the west side of a state. And so hearing all the benefits, but yeah, I, what I didn't want was an influx of applications for Kentucky. And then I'm like kicked out of Kentucky for the rest of my life. Nobody allows me there. Like I've got to take my bumper stickers off that say the nomadic outdoorsman. Uh, uh, I hope that didn't happen, but let's, let's dive into Western hunting and, and, just all of the different systems like you had mentioned before we started recording we're only six months away from a lot of the archery hunts out west and six months although it seems far off that can get busy in a hurry and people can put off planning just like i do every year and it can sneak up on them before they know it yeah i mean we've come out of deer season we're knocking the the rust are, we're, you know, getting back into the groove of things at the house. And then we're thinking, oh, it's shed season. And then we've got turkey season and, and I got to get ready for that. And if you like to, to do any amount of fishing, uh, then you've got, you know, bluegill and crappie and bass and all that stuff. And, and so, but, but, and all, before you know it, you're on vacation with your family in July and you're like, holy smokes, I've got this Colorado elk tag or Wyoming elk tag or wherever you're going to go. And if you're going out there for the first or second time or what have you, there's a lot of logistics as we discussed or as we sort of alluded to a lot of logistics that you have to plan for. And, um, you know, I think really the very first thing that your listeners should be thinking about is, and it can it really can apply to any situation, whether it's an Eastern state or Western state, but, but what is your hunt objective? Because, if it's, I assume if you're going to be hunting elk, uh, you might have somebody with you, another tag holder or family or a friend or something. And uh, the, you know, what is your objective? Is it to really just hear an elk bugle or to see elk? Or do you want to kill any elk? You want to kill a satellite bull or you want to kill a herd bull? And you really want to understand and think about you know, what do, what do I want to accomplish here? What's my vision for this hunt? Because um, if your vision and, you know, we can sort of play this out, Dan, you and I are, we've got a tag out, out West and, um, you know, we're both going to Colorado or wherever, you know, you may have the mindset that you're going to hunt like the t- 10 percenter. We all, we've all heard the, the odds, right? Um, it's a 10% chance of killing an elk or whatever, you know, and uh, it's probably even lower than that, but you're going to hunt like a 10 percenter. You're, you're, you're in, you're in training now you're running, you know, with a pack on your back uh, up, you know, at the high school stadium and you're going to be, you know, with camp on your back. But I, my, my plan is to hunt like you know, the other 90% that don't fill a tag, I'm going, I'm bringing beer, I'm bringing prime ribs. I'm going to camp by the truck. And can we switch and, roles? Can <laughs> what's that? I said, can we switch roles? Can I be the okay, guy? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's really a, a situation where, you know, you and I have to really understand in the, in the people that are coming with us, maybe you've got a buddy and I've got a buddy, you know, what is that objective? And if they are not aligned, that's fine. We just have to understand like, okay, you know, Jacob's going to be camping by the truck and I won't see him for seven days and he's not going to be available to help pack out. I'm going to be, you know, driving separate because if I have to move, you know, I can't rely on Jacob because he may not want to move. And Dan, you're, you're going to be in the back country. And I know, I can't count on Dan to help me pack out an elk because I probably can't communicate with him. But if you go into this blind, 
then then there could be a lot of tension and a lot of you know hurt feelings or somebody one of us is going to have to flex because we're going to yeah. be like wait a second man what you know i thought we were hunting out. i didn't know we were gonna just camp here by the truck or whatever yeah i think that i think that probably happens at at western camps <clears throat> excuse me at western camps quite a bit where where people get out there and everyone just has their their you know five minute YouTube view of what they're going to do. They saw something. They're like, that's what it's going to be like. That's what I want to do. Um, and then you might have experienced people that know exactly what it's like when you, when you get out there. I know for, for me this past year, I took three guys out that had never been mm -hmm. and everybody had different expectations and we did not go over this. So once we got out there, we realized pretty quickly that we were going to have different hunting styles we definitely had different objectives. Um, my buddy, Tony, he brought his dad out and Tony's number one objective was to get his dad to see elk. And his dad's objective was to come hang out with the guys and just have the best time of his life, carefree out in the wilderness with his son and his son's friends. And then I had my buddy Ryan out there and him and my, and my friend drew their objectives kind of aligned. They wanted to get back in there. They wanted to get back where nobody else was. They wanted to get up close and personal with elk and they both wanted to shoot a decent bull. So me going out there, I was kind of like, <laughs> I'm, I'm fine helping anybody. Like I'm going to get you guys out to the spot. I'm going to explain how it's worked for me in the past. Cause that's all the uh, information that I had to go off of and, and I'll help in any way possible. And so we didn't necessarily butt heads, but, transportation became an issue where it's like, Hey, we can all load up in the side by side, but we're going to drop you guys off here. So you can hike eight miles today and then we'll pick you up on the other side. We're just going to be riding uh, two tracks all over the mountains. So that's a, it's a great idea to start, start before even making all your plans to figure out what the objective is. Yeah. And I think, you know, as, as your listeners, are thinking through this a good litmus test for who you're going with and again it's the scenario between you and i is you know who is already on go hunt and looking at units or researching our unit who um or a hunting full subscription or whatever you know whatever the you know subscription platform you want to use to look at draw odds or unit evaluations who is already doing e-scouting on Google Earth and Onyx and Gaia and, and using CalTopo and get really nerding out about this stuff? Yeah. Um, who is already, I mentioned you're running with a pack right now at the high school stadium. Yep. Who's doing that and who's not doing that? Are we both doing that or is, is, is it just sort of you? Um, you know, who's tuning their bow? Who's working on their bow setup? Who is creating a day-by-day -day plan uh, for those 10 days or 14 days or how many of the days that we're hunting. And because if you're doing that and I'm not, and you're like, and we're talking and you're like, and I say, yeah, you know what, Dan, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to lose some weight. Uh, but my heart will be there. You know, I'm going to tough it out. But, but you and I both know <laughs> that the mountain is going to crush your soul. Yep. And it, no amount of tough it out is going to really work out. And um, if you really, you know, if you really want to be a 10 percenter, like I know you do, then I better I got to I got to give something up. I got to bleed for this, in my right. opinion, <laughs> because, again, if you're doing all the planning and I just show up and I'm like, hey, Dan, all right. So where are we going, man? Uh, then all of a sudden you're like, man, that Jacob, dude, he's. <laughs> I wish uh, I wish this wasn't so unequally yoked because he's just expecting me to be his guide. Yeah. And um, and so, again, I, I, I it, maybe the conversation happens now, you know, in, in uh, March uh, and say, you know what, Jacob, ah, I think I'm going to go after this solo or I'm going with, um, you know, this other dude. I, I just, I know it complicates things. I hope it doesn't upset you, but, um, I, uh, it sounds like 
you know, I'm just going to sort of screw up your hunt, you know, and, and, and you sort of fall on that sword, so to speak. But the reality is, is it, it, it removes that tension now instead of saving it for at the mountain when you and I are like completely, all, you know, misaligned. But I mean, but it sounds like, you know, things went well and on your hunt in terms of you were flexing and, and people sort of were able to flex and uh, to, to that, you know, the different styles and different objectives. Yeah. With, uh, with it being all first time hunters, I think people were very flexible and they, they were okay. Kind of going with the flow every day. I mean, these are all guys that I camp with that we, we float rivers and just hike and rock climb. And so, their their whole mindset is no matter what this is going to be an amazing vacation out in the Colorado Rockies and if we kill something that's amazing hopefully we see something hopefully we bring meat back but at the end of the day we're all going to have a good time and then we can decide for future years if we're going to continue doing it so uh a couple of the guys were 100 percent in like dude next year same time same place a couple of the guys were like man that was awesome uh, I won't be able to do it every year, but that was awesome. And it, it was cool to see how much flex and uh, leeway everybody had with each other and the different hunting styles. But I do know that's not how it is everywhere you go. Like this is a sacred time for some people. If they're taking one out of two weeks of vacation to go out and pursue an animal, like they want to get their money's worth and, even if that doesn't mean coming home with the meat, they want, they have a certain um, adventure expectation. They want to put X amount of miles on. They want to see country that nobody else saw. They don't want to be on a two track with binoculars sitting next to guys from five different States, all looking at one elk and trying to figure out who's going to get it. And so, yeah, to manage everybody's expectations in the group and to be honest, if you, if you lie to yourself or lie to them right now, it's going to cause tension later on. I, I got shot down hard by the first guy I talked to about elk hunting. Uh, he's a guy that we we hunt on his his property in Wisconsin, and he would always tell the stories. He'd show us the, the racks um, from different bulls that he's killed in Colorado. He goes out by himself for 30 days every year, and he goes in the backcountry with his bow, he crawls, I mean, hands and knees crawls sometimes into herds of elk and doesn't bugle. He might do a cow call here and there, but he is die hard about it. And I was like, man, I would love to do that. And he's like, yeah, most people can't keep up. And I mean, just like, just like cut it off right there. Like, sorry, this is something that I do. This is, you know, I think he's done it with one or two other people in the past, but um, he just knows like if I, if I have dead weight that I'm dragging along, it's going to ruin my time. Uh, it's not going to be fun for anybody. So this is what I'm going to do. And I'm the only one that's going to do it. So I think it's better to be honest with your friends, honest with your family, no matter who it is that wants to come out with you so that it doesn't cause animosity in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like I, I would bet if we, if he was on the podcast, he might even share like, well, I, you know, many years ago, I tried to have other people join me, you know, my, my family members, my uncle, my grandpa or whatever. And it wasn't, it didn't fit his objective. And he yeah. had to come to that hard truth over time. And maybe there were some hurt feelings, but, um, you know, hunting is a very selfish endeavor Yeah, and, but it's also very limited. Um, and especially when you think about elk hunting and it's sort of a, an endurance sport. And as you get older, there's no, you, we only have so many Septembers. And so it's like, yeah, this is mine. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, this is mine. I'll give you everything else I got, but this is mine. Um, do, do you think with those, uh, with the group that you went out, the, the new, the group of new hunters, um, do you think if you all did that every year, do you think you'd sort of see sort of some separation here and there, like some folks being like, okay, you know, like you, you would probably, as you move forward, probably see some of that, that, that separation because of the different hunt objectives. Definitely. Definitely. Um, you know, I feel like everybody 
everybody wanted to kind of push back farther in um, mm-hmm. as the season went. You know, you get down to crunch time, and it's like, we got to go find these elk. You, you feel the pressure at the end of it. And so even just hearing almost the debrief after season of what people would change, what what they would keep the same, uh, we got we all kind of got tied to one spot before season even started because we had glassed three legal bulls two days before season opened. And so we were like, man, these bulls are going to be around here somewhere. Like it's just yeah. going to be a matter of time behind the binos and we're going to find them again and try to go after them. We wasted a lot of time doing that. And I think everybody realized it. And I had to own some of that um, because before season opened, we didn't see much pressure out there. And I was like, if these, if these elk aren't pressured, they're going to move around, but they obviously are in this area for a reason with this weather, um, with, with the foliage right now. And so, um, yeah, a couple of us hung out there too long glassing and it was because it was easy. Not everybody was in backcountry shape. Uh, yeah. some of us could could walk a quarter mile down a two track and the others could put 10 miles a day on foot and be fine. So I definitely think that if we all went back to the same spot next year, we would definitely see two different camps, you know, one, one group of guys or one couple of guys would, would go in the back country and maybe not come out for three days. The others would hang out and hold, hold the fort down and uh, see what we could find right there from camp. So, you know, sort of pivoting off of that, that the objective, I mean, thinking about like what else those that are listening could start to think about what I would encourage them to do. And I'd love your feedback on this, Dan, is, is open up an Excel spreadsheet, put the dates of your hunt across the top and then start building in specific plans for every day and start, um, you know, incorporating your e-scouting into those plans. So Dan, you know, you and I have such and such unit in Wyoming and, you know, we're both on the same page. You and I are going to hunt like 10 percenters and we're, the, the expectation is that we're both, we're both punching our tag and yep. it, it could be any legal bull. And so now we're looking at, you and I are sharing notes. All right. Hey, you know, um, I think this is a good, uh, a good basin. I like this north facing slope. Um, there's uh, a saddle here. There's a pinch point here. There's some burn or some beetle kill. So there's some canopy disruption. So we know that there's going to be good food and where there's good food, there's going to be cows and where there's cows, there's going to be bulls in September. Yep. So we're, you know, we're going to, we're starting to really put things together in this unit and we want to map that out. And I'm going to use Onyx because that's sort of what I use, but use whatever. We're going to map out our hike and our camp every single morning, after, you know, lunchtime and evening. And it's going to be that detail. And we're going to have a backup to that. So, you know, you found the, the spot uh, through your e-scouting efforts. I found the spot on my e-scouting efforts. They're different, which is great. And then, you know, we're going to build a plan around those and then figure out how to, to coordinate that. And then we're going to put that to the side. And then our job is to find another perfect spot in that, in that unit. And you really want to try hard to not get married to that perfect spot. But you, it, I, I think, you know, as we talked about before, you know, the days just fly by. And, you know, if we look at an eastern state elk hunt to get to another part of the area is maybe 45 minutes. But if we're in Wyoming and we're in a, a, a unit, it could take us four, four and a half hours to get to another part of the unit or yep. whatever. And it could eat up a bunch of time if we don't have a meticulous plan on every day. And I, and I would say, you know, mapping out those, those routes on, on X day one, morning one, hike day, you know, day one afternoon, lunch, day one, evening hike camp. And, and something's going to kick us in the teeth when we get there, something's going to, 
throw a wrench in the whole plan, but at least we'll be able to pivot very easily and not be like, oh, crap, the gate's shut or, oh, crap, there's 30 trucks or, oh, crap, there's, you know, whatever. Um, And and, in that way, we're not wasting time, like trying to find cell service because there's no cell service out, you know, at Trailheads. And wasting time trying to figure out where we're going next. And so for those that, you know, you know, for us that are going out in six months, I think it's critical that we sort of create, you know, get the spreadsheet out and get the, the, the you know, the, the, the e-scouting maps and really starting creating meticulous plans. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the more the more prepared you can be, not only with what you want out of the hunt but also once adversity strikes, because it will. Like the mountain doesn't care about your feelings. It doesn't care that you want to kill an elk. It doesn't care that you want to have a good time with your buddies. Like there will be things that get thrown in there. And to have a backup plan, to have a backup area location, like you could either waste your entire vacation trying to scramble and figure it out last minute, or you could be ready for when when the change comes. And so... Um, I couldn't agree more on that. And I, I will say for anybody listening, also when when you're coming up with your objectives, you have to gauge where everybody's at because you might be in a group of guys where nobody really, I mean, everyone's so like nonchalant about it. And that's that's totally fine. But know that if you don't go into it prepared and ready, uh, you're... you're odds of success are going to go way down and I'm talking success as in bringing home meat or getting, getting the bull down that you're wanting. Um, but this, this might not be the strategy or the style for you. You might just be going out there for an awesome hike and maybe bring back some meat. Um, but for those that are serious and like really do want to really do want to have a successful hunt where when surprises come, they're already ready for them. They're like, yep, I was waiting for this. Let's move over to this area. Let's let's hit this trail that we had planned for day five, even though it's day two. Um, you can you can change things up a lot quicker that way. We went. I went in in 2018. I went to Montana, and um, it was my first Western hunt. I had a general tag. We were into elk on day one. Killed a bull on day three with my bow. Packed it out over the next day and a half or whatever amazing experience and if you you know we've all heard the phrase um luck is preparation meeting opportunity and we were prepared and the opportunity presented itself and so we were incredibly lucky yeah and uh we went back in 2020 to that same area and i had really tried to force myself to stop staring at the the exact gps point that i killed that bull because I'm like, the odds are even stacked greater against me to do it another time because I was very lucky the first time. And so we went, but I did want to go back to that region because we understood it and, you know, we liked what we saw and there was no hunting pressure. We went back, we're in, this is 2020, the year of COVID, a lot more people. Some of these people are hikers. Some of these people are hunters. There's a lot more information out there on the web the you know uh, there's tons of youtube hunting videos there's tons of go go hunt and hunting fool information and so all of that information has put more people uh in those spaces and there was more hunting pressure and i ran into a lot of different hunters and it was a different experience and i'm glad that i uh, had the backups to the backups now i'll be honest with you it wasn't perfect. I, I could have done a better job of um, of pivoting even even further out of that region. We had, um, uh, you know, it just it. I just I want to stress the point that the part of like don't get married to a spot and really have backup to backup plans because um, I didn't punch a tag that year uh, and it was a completely different experience. There was um you know, some, a different dynamic to the elk herd as well as to the, the pressure. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was, it's so critical to really have that mapped out so that you're not scrambling and wasting time 
trying to, you know, like, well, where do we go now? You know? So, um, I, you know, I think, you know, another thing that folks should be planning for as, as, you know, here in March is, you know, I mentioned YouTube, get your reps in. And, and what I mean by is, is watch the YouTube hunts, watch the setup. If you're going to, I mean, obviously if it's September, you're going to be hunting, it'd be hunting archery season. How are, you know, how are you and I, Dan, going to work together in terms of our calling setup? You know, are we going to alternate days? Today's your day. Tomorrow's my day. You know, I'm going to be 50 yards behind you trying to pull in that bull. And on YouTube, if you can really understand what are the shot angles, what are the um, incline, decline, distance, uh, how are they reading the elk, where are the elk hanging up, and and really take note of, of, of you know, so again, trying to get your reps in because yeah. I think sometimes we watch these, I mean, I watch hunting on YouTube like constantly. I don't know if the listeners do, but if you don't, I tend to watch it sometimes very casually, like, oh, that's amazing. But if you really stop and think, oh, wait a second, he moved up in front of this tree, not behind it, and he anticipated the window that the elk was going to come through. And oh, by the way, he understood the elk anatomy so well, he took a frontal shot. Mm -hmm. And that's another piece is the bull I killed in 2018. I shot him in the front. Uh, I did a frontal shot because I understood where to place that arrow. And that's another thing that we can start to really, you know, as we, as you and I prepare for our Western hunt, start to look at the elk anatomy and really understand like, okay, it's not, it, it seems like a big deer, but let's be honest, it's not. And where we need to put, you know, put our arrows at, um, and we're, especially if, you know, one comes in uh, at, with providing a frontal shot. So those are some other things I think that are really important as you and I prepare for our, for our hunt out west, Dan. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I mean, even you, we could probably do two full episodes just on, on preparation, shot placement, conditioning, as far as like physical, as well as, as getting ready to, you know, take downhill shots, uphill shots, um, here in the Midwest, like I know without a rangefinder from my tree stand, how far every deer is in the field out there like you have to be ready you need to know the ranges you need to be prepared for it to come in straight at you what are you going to do if it's five feet from you and not stopping like there's just a lot of factors in and you do find you you find a lot of information just by watching stuff but i agree don't be a casual watcher like as you're preparing for season look and see what people are doing and youtube's a great resource if you're trying to figure out what gear you need to bring, um, and maybe we could dive into that next is, is the different systems. Like we had talked about earlier, um, the water systems, the food systems, your optics, um, your, your kill kit, what, you know, how you're going to process, um, the animal afterwards and get it off the mountain. Uh, the nice thing with YouTube is you can type in almost any animal and then like hunting pack. So whether it's like elk hunting pack, bison hunting pack, moose, antelope, and there's probably a pretty good um, variety of videos based on the type of hunting you want to do, whether it's from the road or or from the backcountry. Yeah, yeah, it, there is, and it's um, in the systems piece. I think to your point is critical because um, we talked about our objective. We talked about our hunt plan, which is, you know, the e-scouting and the, the laying out every day and sort of our understanding, you know, who's going to do what, but the systems can really uh, remove, can help you just focus on hunting. And so whether it's, you know, your food setting, you know, the things, the way that I do it is I, I plan on 3000 calories a day. And I take my vacuum sealer and I seal that day up and that's day one. Yep. And that's super tight. And I've got my, you know, my dehydrated meal in there. I've got my, my breakfast bars and I've got something that I'm going to eat for lunch or whatever, but I try to really shrink wrap that. 
and just make it very simple. So our day one, day two, day three, day four. So I'm not having to dig through this, you know, mess in my pack and waste a bunch of time. I'm up and moving. And, you know, from a water standpoint, I think, you know, one of the things that I've learned is that I can't stand filtering water when I get back to the tent at night um, or when I set up at night. And I, you know, I haven't done this, but what I plan on doing next time is having a, a gravity filter for five liters of dirty water to run into a clean bag at camp. I'll scoop up the water, seal it and leave and let it do its thing while I'm gone. So when I get back to the, the tent, I'll have I'll have had my water for the day with me. Yep. But when it comes time to brush my teeth or boil my, my meal or whatever, then I don't I'm not going to the creek, getting water, waiting for it, you know, because I'm we're t- I'm wiped out. I'm tired. I don't yeah. want to deal with this. I don't want to. It's like I don't want to hand wash dishes. I just want a dishwasher. You know, <laughs> yep. it's uh. So I think those are some systems that come to my mind. What about yourself, Dan? What are some things that you've done to create systems that sort of help you stay focused on your hunt and you don't have to just think about it's already automated? Well, I'll tell you the the whole deal with pre-planning your food for the week. My first hunt uh, out west, I did not have any plans. Like I didn't have my days scheduled I was kind of going as a guest of someone else. And from my understanding, it was a giant camp. We would hang out there. We'd branch out as we went. Well, I found myself repacking my pack every day, sometimes twice a day. And Mm -hmm. I wish I hadn't because it was like every day I would think about that. Like, oh, dang it. I've got to get, you know, this food or this filter, or now I need my tent and my sleeping bag. And, um, in my mind that really took away from the hunt for me. And if I did just have that like day one, day two, day three, day four, I know where we're going. I know I need to add these things on day three without even having the question um, or the conversation. I I think that would have allowed me to enjoy it a little bit more and not kind of be anxious about, Oh shoot, what do I have to do? Am I forgetting something? Dang it. I left my knife at the, at the camp, you know? Um, so yeah, now now when we go out, it's like uh, at, at my main elk camp that I go to, me and my buddy Sean, we're in communication all throughout the year about it. We know like, hey, this year we're dropping into this bottom. We're going to do that on day three, days one and two. We're going to spend maybe going and checking over this, this spot that we found elk last year. Um, but like day three, middle of the week, for some reason, that just seems how it it is like we let other people go and do spike camp the first few days and then we wait and then we go in like day three through day five and we'll get back in there. So we've got the full thing lined out where we're planning on hunting. And again, sometimes it's awesome and we find elk long before we get to spike camp and, Mm -hmm. and now we've got a much easier pack out or a much easier spot in stock. But, um, yeah, to have stuff like that in place, and we we communicate who's bringing what. It's not just like me focusing on my meal. I talk to him. Listen, are you bringing the jet boil this time, or am I bringing it? Um, what about the water filtration? We don't both need a Sawyer water filter. Like you've got your your platypus like hang and go deal. You can fill it up. We walk away. Or are we going to that? spot high up on the ridge where we don't have any access to water. So we have to pack it in. Uh, we, we have all of that stuff lined out before we're at, at elk camp, because when you're sitting there at night and everyone's just hanging out, telling stories from the day and you're still having to figure out what the next day holds and who's carrying what and, and you know, what time we're getting up, what time we're coming back, you just can't enjoy yourself quite as much in my mind. I agree. And it's just about efficiency. It's like, get up. I know where I'm going and I already got what I need and we're getting our, moving our asses out of here. Yep. And we're not, you know, it gives me a little bit more time to sleep instead of getting up 15 minutes earlier or 20 minutes or a half hour or whatever. And, you know, I, I, and, and I don't know if this falls into the plan piece. Well, I guess it does or the systems piece, 
But I think a lot of times we watch elk hunting and we just hear the guy's bugle and you're thinking, oh, it's like turkey hunting. If I yelp enough, you know, and I find a good turkey, it'll come in. And it's not really like that. And I hear people that have killed way more turkey and way more elk than me always compared to turkey hunting. And I sort of get that. But I think, you know, now, six months before, do yourself a favor. Uh, listen to Paul Medell, the elk nut. And he gets very nuanced about the things that elk are communicating elk through the, you know, whether it's a location bugle or if that bugle has aggression, if it has aggression, then he has cows. If he has cows, your cow call isn't going to get him to do anything. Yeah. If you want to kill any bull, then maybe you should cow call because you might not get the herd, but you'll get the satellite bulls. They're just, and, but if you start aggressively calling, you're going to push those satellite bulls away because they're not there for a fight. They're there for the cows. Um, and so there's a lot of, a lot of nuance within that. But it, when you're in the moment, six months from now, you're going to be like, I'm going to bugle back. And they're going to be, you know, and it just doesn't exactly work that way. And I think that it would be great for those listening and you and I to say, okay, that bugle, he's moving. He clearly doesn't have cows. So we need to act like we do have cows. So we're going to, you know, we're going to do this to pull him in. Or wait, he's got aggression and he's not moving. He's got cows. This is our plan. Yep. Or like like we said, there's satellites. I just want to shoot one of these satellites. I'm not after the herd. Um, you know, and, and another guy is um, another guy I really like. Uh, gosh, he he calls it the the uh, elk calling to cows bugle, and it's sort of a it's like don't talk to the, the herd bull but talk to those cows and then you'll get that herd bull ticked off. And I, I can't remember his name right now, but ultimately I, I think, you know, as we're six months out, take some time to create that system yep. so that you know, okay, this is the call. This is what I'm hearing. This is what we're going to do because you don't want to be like, well, crap, I don't know what to do, or I'm just going to go and, and bugle at him and see what happens. And then they go over the mountain. He takes his cows and he goes over the mountain. And then you're like, well, I don't understand. It. So yeah. I just, you know, I think that that's an important component of it uh, for anybody that that's turkey hunting. I think there's a little bit more nuance to it, but I'm not the greatest turkey hunter in the world either. So yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm awful with turkey hunting. Turkey hunting is definitely, for me, it's a throwaway season. Not that, not that like I don't go out cause I do, I go out as much as I can, but that is probably the least pressure I feel throughout the year when pursuing animals. I just sure. didn't grow up doing it. I'm late to the game with it and I haven't caught that bug, but I will say no matter what you hunt, you're never, it's, it's always going to be a benefit to study the animal. So like you're talking about, um, studying their their calls and why they do a certain call when what does that mean what will they respond to if you hear that from them and and if you if you don't do that then at least study the people who are studying it you yeah know? and so those people who have figured it out they've got years of experience they they've got dozens of videos on youtube of successfully calling in a bull um figure out what they're doing and, and listen to exactly why they're doing it. And I will say like those guys, you, you find people and I hesitate to say like, they're just stone cold killers, but like they always seem to get it done. Yeah. When you see these people popping up over and over, or you see pictures of them with a 2016 New Mexico bull, a 2017 Wyoming bull, a Montana bull in 2019, like study those people and figure out what they're doing. And I guarantee there's going to be information out there, whether it's what they put in their pack, what calls they're using, how far back they're going. Obviously nobody's going to put their GPS coordinates out there unless, <laughs> unless they've got serious issues. But if you can study those people or study the animals, like you're going to be better off for it. Um, to, to the systems point before I forget, because I've got a terrible yeah. mind when it comes to this, uh, I will say if you're going out there, don't only have a plan 
for your gear when you're out on the mountain. Every night when you get back to your camp, whether it's spike camp or back to the vehicle, have a spot for everything because it is so frustrating when you're out there and all of a sudden you're waking up before daylight and you can't find your headlamp. Well, if you can't find your headlamp, good luck getting your gear together. Good luck finding all your clothes and having everything you need. I discovered that this last year. Um, I did a different type of camping. I took a van out there, a converted van, and it was me and my buddy both in this van. And we, it was like a yard sale all the time. Like there was just stuff <laughs> all over the place. Luckily by like day three, we, we got it pretty dialed in. Like when I took my headlamp off at night, there was a shelf and I could put my headlamp around the edge of the shelf. It was a floating deal. And so then every night, that's where it went. My binos went right next to it. My boots would go over here by the fireplace. It had like an electric fireplace. And so it'd, they'd be nice and toasty. That was our heater in the van. And in the morning, I'd wake up to warm boots. Um, and so once you have that system down, it's going to save you back at camp. And you're not going to look like the guy who has no idea what they're doing because they're like, hey, has anybody seen my pocket knife or, or my ammo? Uh, you don't want You don't want to get into that situation. Yeah, you know, if you're somebody that constantly is misplacing their keys or phone, then you may want to take a special note of what, what Dan just said, because, yeah, you want to have, you know, get your tent out, put it in your your living room and think, okay, I need to put this here, this here, this here, this there. And, yeah, because it's, to your point, it's all about efficiency and, and maximizing your time on the mountain because it is it does go so fast. You know, one the, the the going back certainly back real quickly to the elk calling piece. Uh, Joel Turner is the 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 gentleman I was thinking of that does does something specific about you know calling the bull calling cows bugle. So for those that are interested, I would check that out. It's but I think we want to be a Swiss Army knife when it comes to that that uh, when you interact with elk and uh, in my scenario scenario in 2018. I didn't call at all the cow. There was a hot cow the two days prior, they would respond. The bulls would respond to a bugle, uh, but they weren't sort of bugling on their own. But on day three, they were fired up and they were bugling on their own. And so I had my dad and my brother stay back and bugle like every half an hour. And then I went on a, a five hour stalk to uh, to where these elk were bedded during the middle of the day and they gave up their location. So you may not, I mean, you want to be a master of, of calling, of course, and yeah. calling scenarios, but there are scenarios where it's like, you know what, don't reveal your position, let them reveal theirs. And then you can slip in and, um, you know, do what you need to do. And so, um, but we want to be a really a, like a Swiss army knife as it relates to that. And obviously a well-organized Swiss army knife, as you were, you were mentioning, you got to, you know, make sure you keep everything you know, in a good place. So you don't, um, you know, waste time or what have you. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's a lot of things that you're going to learn and some of them are only going to come from experience or like yeah. they're only going to stick because there's going to be a ton of information by the end of this podcast episode and nobody's going to remember all of it. But once you're out there, there's going to be lessons that you learn on your first day out there that you will never forget because you messed it up so bad or you found success. And I would encourage people also, when you do find success, when you get out there and you do a certain call and a bull comes in, go back and analyze why it happened that way. Don't just think like, oh man, I did it. I watched that YouTube video and now I'm great. Like figure out what route did it take? Uh, what, what time of day was it? Was it in the morning and he came uphill or was it in the evening and he was kind of side hilling across to you? Figure out try to try to break down your success and learn from the success and not just the failures. Um, what, so when we talked on the other podcast, you had mentioned your, your elk basically one Oh one courses for Pennsylvania and Kentucky. Mm -hmm. Uh, have you thought about doing, I almost think of like a wedding planning guide. Uh, just because my wife used to make those something like that, where there's a schedule, like six months out, you should have this figured out five months out, four months out, you know, and then like a day of checklists. Uh, have you thought about doing something like that? 
Yeah, you know, I um, there's a, a training a, a training platform or learning platform called Udemy, and I mentioned you know I have a, a master's in education. Even when I was a young kid, I remember doing stuff like this where I would take information and organize it and try to create some sort of lesson around it. And and so it's something that's uh, wrong with my brain, apparently, <laughs> that, that I can't help but not collect information and try to put it in an organized fashion. And, um, and so on that platform, Udemy, I, I actually have created some, some uh, whitetail 101 and squirrel hunting 101, coyote hunting 101. And, and one of the things is, is a, a, a course called 12 Months to Elk where it does sort of lay it out. This is what you should be thinking about 12 months, nine months, six months, three months, one month. And, you know, it's not really um, anything that, uh, you know, there's been a lot of quite a few people that have taken it. They like it a lot. Again, I'm not, uh, there are people that have killed way more elk than I ever will um, that have been out West way more than I ever will. But for whatever reason, I like to, uh, organized information in a way that helps me. And I like to share it to help others. And so those are out there. Uh, I, you know, the, the Kentucky elk hunt planner and the Pennsylvania elk hunt planner, those are going to be on in book format. And those will be sort of in, in the same way, you know, really tackling a lot of these logistics. Um, even, you know, if you need a, if you need a dog tracker, or a hound to track a, a wounded elk, you know, here's a resource or, you know, these are areas where, um, you know, good places to stay as far as hotels or Airbnbs and those sorts of things, trying to help, help with some of that logistical dynamics with uh, in Kentucky and PA, but those are resources are out there. If anybody's interested, you know, uh, they can certainly find me on Instagram as the casually intense hunter. And again, I'm, I would just answer questions via that. I, you know, I would say this, Dan, is that probably the most important piece that you and I haven't touched on is the plan at home. And I mean, if, if, um, you know, you and I are going out and, and we have young kids and we're married and it's really uh, critical to, uh, help your spouse understand like, when are you going to communicate? Is it yeah. going to be every night or every other night or when you can, um, you want to be clear on that so that, that she's not worried. I'm going to assume that a bunch of guys are listening to this, but maybe it's the other way around. Maybe, you know, the woman's going out West to hunt and the man's staying at home, but you know, and maybe you should hire a cleaning lady, uh, a couple times to help out or talk to the mother-in-law and see if you can get you know, coordinate some things there. So, you know, this should be part of that spreadsheet that we talked yeah. about at the beginning, you know, some relatives to help watch the kids, a play date with other moms. Uh, you know, I replaced in our refrigerator before we, I left for the, the elk hunt in 2020. Cause I was like, it was having problems. And I'm like, I'll be damned if this thing is going to die while I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs> so we're getting, we're just we're going to replace this dang thing. Yep. And, you know, think about those things because, it's it will it will allow you again to be fully engaged with your hunt and um, and then commit to your spouse the post hunt plan. Okay, when I get back, we're going here. You and I are going on this date. I've already got reservations here. Um, you know, it, you know, so that she or or he understands that. Okay, Jacob is going to be you know off the grid for a while, but I know he's thinking about us and we're still the most important thing to his life, even though, you know, sometimes he acts like a crazy person because he loves elk hunting so much or whatever. Yeah. So I think that that's probably a really important piece that needs to be uh, thought about for your listeners as well as they prepare for, you know, September coming up. Absolutely. I think if, if your spouse or your children are miserable when you're gone, the odds of you doing it every year, go way down. And, yeah. uh, if you, if you can create that positive experience while you're gone, whether it's leaving a note every day titled Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, that she can open up and it's just got something in it for her. If you're, if you're out of communication or if there's a day where people are 
doing a supply run and heading back to town or, you know, like there's guys at my main elk camp that I go to that they go in and shower like one time throughout the elk hunt. Go in and surprise your surprise your spouse with a phone call, with a text message, with the with a FaceTime or or Zoom, and it's gonna it's gonna make it that much more doable for you to go on the next hunt, whether it's the same place at the same time of year or when your buddy calls and asks. Um, if there's always negative connotations with hunting or negative memories, like good luck. <laughs> yeah. It's gonna it's just gonna be tough, and I make sure. For sure, when I get back, my wife my wife has friends. They're like, "How? Why do you let your husband hunt so much? Like, it seems like he's always gone." And she's responded to them. You should see how he is when he comes home. Like the amount of love that he has, the the time that he spends with the kids, um, just the quality of time that we have together. As soon as he's back from a hunt is amazing. And so if I know that he gets in that mindset while he's hunting, that he's going to bring that home, like I'll let him go anytime he wants. And I'm like, well, sweet. I didn't, (laughs) that kind of happened by accident. I just would miss my wife and kids. So I'd be super loving when I got back. But now I've realized the value of, of getting those things set up before you go hunt, having that, having that mentality and obviously clear communication. Cause if you tell her you're going to be back Saturday and you don't come back till Monday, there might be a few issues. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's be honest. Um, you know, we are full blown savages, predators, uh, you know, whatever it is. And you want to lean into that and and you're not going to be able to lean into that. If, if you know, in the back of your mind, like, man, she's ticked about this or the kids don't really uh, understand that I, you know, how much I love them and how much, you know, they mean to me. And, Yep. You know, like if you're able to really com- over communicate those things and set that plan, then you can lean into like just being super selfish out there. So yeah. anyways, it's something to think about for, for those that are playing in those hunts. Well, in, in look into the different communication, uh, tools out there, you know, if you get, if you get a Garmin inReach and yeah. you can Bluetooth it to your phone. Some people just want to be completely disconnected when they're out there. And I totally get that. Like, I don't want to be getting messages from my mother-in-law while I'm in the back country in Colorado, right? Um, but if it's something that's very important to your spouse, uh, is that you're communicating the whole time, there are plenty of devices out there where where you can still if <clears throat> effectively text message every day from just about anywhere, definitely in the United States, but almost anywhere around the globe. Yeah, no, that's, that's a, that's a good point. And that's something that thankfully, you know, technology is, is going to allow us to do more and more of that just to, um, to, you know, to keep that, to keep in touch. Uh, so that, especially if you're in bear country or something like that, you definitely want to have a communication plan. And you also, we won't get into this now, but, um, you know, one of the systems is, you know, emergencies, you know, yep. if someone has a compound fracture, someone has a, a real legit bleed and, and do you know how to use a tourniquet? We won't, we won't dive into that, but again, you, you got to have all that stuff so that there's peace of mind back at home. Yeah, absolutely. I think, <clears throat> I think we, we should probably try to schedule um, another podcast like this as we get closer to seasons coming up. Hopefully people take the information that they've heard here and, and put it to use and start thinking about these things, start communicating with the other people in their parties, um, start dialing in the maps and the software and, and all of their, their systems and plans and, and food, everything. So, um, I think it would be though beneficial as we get closer to, to the Western seasons coming up to maybe do a follow-up and say like, Hey, this is where you should be at this point. Like you should, you should basically have everything dialed in. Now you should be focused on using your weapon every day. And, uh, maybe, maybe a last minute gear piece that you need that you've been saving up for. You can buy that. But other than that, um, yeah, I like the, like the wedding planner, uh, the way you phrased it. So like, do you have the ring and do you know where the rings at? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because, because you're getting married on uh, September 1st. And uh, if you don't have that, that's sort of makes it kind of difficult, but, and did you rent the tuxedo? Don't forget about that. But, yeah. 
But yeah, let's let's connect again, and and hopefully this was of value to uh, your listeners. Appreciate the opportunity to connect with you, Dan. Absolutely. Hey, one last thing before we go, I want to share with people. I went out to the Hunt Expo in Salt Lake City, and I met up with. <clears throat> Give me one second. <laughs> wow. So I met up with this guy named Darren, and he's the owner of Rent Outdoor Gear. And mm. the company is exactly what it sounds like. You rent outdoor gear. You know, like if you go, this is no sponsorship, but as we were talking about this, I figured it would be a perfect time because I wish I had known about this on my first hunt. Um, you know, when you go out skiing or snowboarding out west, uh, maybe you don't have any type of mountains or opportunities for that where you live. So you go out there and you rent the boots, the bindings, the skis or the snowboard, the goggles, the helmet, the gloves, everything. This is a company that does that for hunting equipment. So you can rent spotting scopes. You can rent, rent um, clothing systems. You can rent the stoves. You can, I mean, just about everything you need to make a successful hunt. And so if it is your first time and you don't want to go drop all that money on brand new equipment, um, that might be an option is looking into a rental company so that you can have everything out there that you need without breaking the bank on the first year. That's, that's really cool. Uh, I'm going to check that out because I think, you know, as you branch out into even, even other species, maybe you don't want to spend a bunch of money on a spotting scope, but you do want to go hunt mule deer and you know, you need a good spotting scope and a good tripod. Yep. You know, those things can be really, really expensive, but if you rent them, and maybe you decide that you don't want to do high country mule deer, then there's not a whole lot lost there. Uh, you don't have something collecting dust or, or something you have to sell, you know, uh, to some, you know, to another hunter, but uh, no, that that's, that's really good. I'm kind of jealous. I, I look at that Western hunting expo and I'm like, man, I really would like to go out to that sometime. It looks like a lot of fun. Uh, I would, I would bring plenty of caffeine, um, get some good insoles for your shoes I think I was there for eight hours and gosh, I probably walked around every aisle of that expo, just making sure I didn't miss a booth that I wanted to stop by checking out all the gear, the innovation at, at that show every year is crazy. Like the amount of items that come out that people have improved on, or, you know, they stole the idea, but made it 10 times better from somebody else. You will be blown away. And definitely have a plan going there. Make sure you set a budget for what you can spend <laughs> because you might not have gas money to get home uh, once you see some of that, <laughs> some of the equipment out there. I believe it. It's, it's a constant, uh, it's the thing that, I mean, we just love gear. We love new technology. And obviously um, it helps us kill things. It's not the, you know, it's not the be all end all, but it's so much fun to look at new boots or look at uh, new tents or new fabrics that make th things lighter and think, gosh, I could shave, I could shave off a couple pounds here or yeah. whatever. So, and just to even meet some of the, the people behind that stuff, because I'd love to connect with some of the personalities in, in the Western hunting space yep. out there, but it's just not in the mix for me. Uh, in the near future, but maybe sometime down the road. Well, and the nice thing is there's expos. I mean, they're still happening. They happen basically all spring and they've got them all over the country. I think there was just a big one. I'm trying to remember where that was, maybe in Indiana recently. Um, oh, really? Gosh, it, it may be going on right now. Anyways, like the NWTF, they just had a, they just right. had a big one. Um, so yeah, check out the, the expo schedule because they're happening right now and they have been happening for the next couple months. So anybody listening, it's a great way to go connect with people, to get information, to check out new gear. And uh, you, you can learn a lot just by walking the halls at some of those places. You know, there's a couple of these camps that these personalities are creating. And I got to tell you that they really interest me. I haven't uh, jumped on them yet. Uh, I'll mention elk shaped camp because that really looks Interesting, because we talked about the hunt, obviously the hunt plan and the hunt objective and the people that you're going with. And I feel like, gosh, I, I'd love to go to like an elk-shaped camp to find guys that are somewhat like-minded in terms of, you know, 
I want to kill myself to kill an elk. Yep. And like, if that's you, then you and I think alike and, and let's go. But I haven't, uh, they're not coming anywhere near here. And, uh, but I'll, I may have to do that sometime because I'd love to just have um, folks uh, like, you know, like yourself or other guys that are sort of like-minded as it relates to Western hunting or, or uh, that sort of thing. So there's a lot of these, those camps springing up and I gotta be honest with you that they're, they're, they're kind of interesting to me. Maybe, maybe we just need to go out to the total archery challenge sometime because that's another, there you go. That's guys another. out there. So, Oh, <laughs> check this out. Um, I was talking to somebody the other day and I wish I would have written this down. They are doing basically a total archery challenge here closer to the east um i want to say it's in oklahoma coming up um Mm. but it's a lot closer you know than heading for you 25 hours out there um i think tack goes to michigan i know we're sort of riffing i know we're sort of riffing right now but i know that the tack was up in michigan last year and i thought man it looked so and i think they go to pennsylvania too nice uh but anyways, yeah, um, no, it, a lot of cool stuff out there, guys. There definitely is. Well, Jacob, thanks again, man. It's always great talking to you, and and we're gonna have to keep connecting, keep having these conversations, and hopefully just equip people that are going out and trying this for the first time or trying to do it right for the first time. Uh, hopefully, we can get them all the information and um, education that they need in order to be a successful Western hunter. Totally agree. Thanks again, Dan, for having me on. And that is going to do it for today's episode. What did I tell you at the beginning of the show about Jacob? I mean, he has a mind that works on a different level when it comes to gathering information, organizing it to his benefit. And yeah, I hope that I can use a lot of this information this fall. In fact, as I was sitting there talking to him in the back of my mind, I was thinking about an upcoming hog hunt that I am definitely not prepared for or not as prepared as I should be for so I wish I had him around like six months ago to kick me in the butt and be like dude get it figured out now get get planning get preparing Um, but like I always tell you guys I'm try to become students of the animals you're pursuing and if you're not students of them become students of people who are because you're gonna learn so much and Yeah, there's so many cool opportunities out there, so many cool new places to go and travel and hunt, but you're going to get your butt handed to you if if you're not prepared when heading out there. But hopefully you guys are finding success shed hunting, gearing up for turkey season, and be planning now. It really is the right time to start, and the farther and farther you put it off, the more stressful it's probably going to become. Anyways, until next time, get out there and chase a new adventure.